0: Hey there, and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. My name is Lauren Jackson, and I am joined by my co-host, Becca Harris, and we are super excited to dive in to episode two of season two. But before we jump into our conversation today, I've got a few announcements to share with you. The first announcement is about our fall cohort. We had so many people sign up that we opened up another time slot for a cohort of people to encourage and equip one another. So it is going to be on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, and you can sign up and learn more about our cohorts over on kidsministrycircle.com. The second announcement is our resource page. If you don't know about the resources, that Kids Ministry Circle provides to you, the kids ministry leader, you are definitely going to want to head over to KidsMinistryCircle.com and check those out because the best part is they are completely free. And so we want to be able to provide these resources for you at zero cost so that they can better you as a leader and make working for your ministry that much easier.
1: All right, let's jump into our conversation today. All right, Becca, welcome. Oh, so good to be here. Just in case anyone was wondering, yes, in this episode, too, I am still in sweltering Texas, and Lauren is still in beautiful Colorado. I'm not envious. I'm not envious. I, I know that the Lord has set the boundaries of my habitation, but I am ready for this heat in Texas to be done. So, uh, yeah. Lauren, what are we talking about today? Well, today we are talking about
0: volunteers. You know, there's a number of things we can say about volunteers. And our volunteer episode from season one, if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to jump back and listen to it. But it was our most well loved podcast episode from season one. And so we thought we would talk about volunteers once again. But this time, Um, we are going to talk about it in the context of being in a transient culture. I don't know about you guys, wherever you guys are listening, but here in Colorado, it can be a very transient city, the city of Denver and even the suburbs, um, in the metro area, people are moving. There's a lot of college students, a lot of families are moving and it just feels like no one is really sticking around for a long time. And, um, I know, Becca, you feel similarly in Austin, Texas.
1: Yeah, we, uh, you know, Austin's a college town um, and not just the University of Texas. We've got, I think, um, you know, we've got Texas State, we've got Concordia, we've got Southwestern up in Georgetown. and. Uh, so we've got, in, in, I mean, yeah, then I can go even more St. Edwards or Ed's University and ACC. And so we've got tons of universities around here. A lot of people come to the University of Texas, particularly not just for undergrad, but for graduate school. It's a big research school. And then somehow Austin became like a new tech hub. It's like the California of Texas. And uh, in fact, right now, I think we have two. Suburbs of Austin that are in the top ten cities in the nation. it um, 's so crazy. I'm, don't move here. Don't you don't don't come here. <laughs> Stay where you are. It's expensive. Our airport isn't made for all you people. No, I'm just kidding. You can come here. It's pretty. It's pretty great. Um, but that is but, true. But that is true about the airport. It's very tiny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe at the last big festival they had in March, they might have run out of fuel. I mean, <laughs> they had to. They had to. <laughs> they had to divert planes to. Other cities nearby to refuel because they ran out of it here. But that's fine. So just drive here, you know, with your $4 gas. Um, (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) but yes, we live in a really transient culture. Um, And and I'm sure we're not the only ones. There's obviously lots of college towns, lots of um, bursting metro areas, um, even within – even within the Austin Stone, we have we have six different congregations. And as often as people even stay at the Austin Stone for a long time, they'll move to other congregations because that's kind of where they have to move to afford a house or that's where they want to go for their kid's school or whatnot. And so they might even – even if they've been at the Austin Stone for 10 years, they might have – been to three or four of our congregations. And so um, it can be a real challenge when you don't have people who were born and raised in your church um, and served there for a long time. Um, And so we just kind of thought we'd share, both Lauren and I share some of our experience with that with you guys today um, and some of our um, things that we've tried that maybe would help you, um, help you figure out. Uh, kind of what you can do uh, to build a team when it feels like people are always on the move. So,
0: um,
1: yep. yeah, Lauren, you want to kick us off? I do.
0: So we are going to talk first about how you can build a team in a transient world, in a transient culture, and then we're going to jump to how do you create a culture that people want to stick around in when you feel like you're constantly losing leaders and losing volunteers because of natural reasons, like they're moving or maybe they're taking a maternity leave break, or maybe they got a new job and now they work on Sundays. All of these things are natural rhythms for church leaders. Um, but to start us off, we're going to talk about how do you build a team when you kind of have this feeling of like, Oh, this is a really great team, but it's not going to last because someone's going to move or someone's going to, there's going to be a transition. Um, and, and so kind of along that mindset, um, there was a culture for a long time in the kids ministry world where fall was the big recruiting season. And you talked about volunteers, you did a churchwide volunteer push, all these things you recruited really, really, really hard in the fall so that you were set up for the whole year. And I just think the world that we live in right now, that's not working. Um, you can't recruit, recruit, recruit. And then forget about recruiting for the rest of the year. You have to be recruiting all the time. And you have to be always recruiting. And you have to always have an open door to have people who are willing and able to jump in to serve. You should be talking about your volunteer team every Sunday. I know that as a kids ministry leader, it was kind of my unsaid goal to talk about someone on Sunday morning. Find some anybody on Sunday morning and invite at least one person to join my team. That's just the place that we were at. It was something, it was a goal that I had to talk about our volunteers and talk about serving opportunities every single Sunday. And then um, in addition to recruiting, Becca, what do you think about the creating an on-ramp to volunteers? There can a lot of times be hurdles and it could take somebody a while to get through the on-ramp process to volunteers how would you make that really accessible for people?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you wanna make sure that obviously everything still has to be safe, right? You you can't sacrifice safety. You know, I've had people push back, they were like, if we didn't have so many steps, people, you'd probably get volunteers, you know, if they didn't have to do an abuse prevention training and an interview and a background check, and you know, if you'd just let them start, um, and, that may be true, but I, I felt like we have to keep our ministry safe and so I think for me, that means making all those things like accessible, easy, smooth, so like making your back end process for that really easy. um and so that way when you have that one-on-one conversation which is the best way to recruit leaders by the way instead of announcements but when you have that one-on-one conversation there is something you know even as simple as like if there was like a business card with a qr code that they can take with them and they can immediately scan and start doing the application or maybe it's they immediately scan and it's your email address and they remind you to send them the application or something um make it really easy to start um the less steps the better. Um, Again, not sacrificing safety, but if it's like they have to email a random church staff member and then wait to hear back, and then that person then sends in the application, you just added steps. And so maybe it's put it on your website, maybe it's a QR code in the lobby on a sign, maybe it's a business card with a QR code, something like that that makes it accessible. And then make sure on the back end that you or a staff member or a volunteer, whatever you have helping that it's proficient. When someone finishes something, they're immediately sent the next thing. Or Mm. maybe you send them all the things at once and they can chomp away, but someone's reminding them um, of what needs to be done. I hate it, and it's happened. It's happened to me. I've done it. Where people finish a part and they need the next part and they don't hear from me for a week because I got busy. Um, And that, one, looks like, oh, I guess they really didn't need me in kids' ministry. Or are they really running a well-run organization here? I don't know if this is where I want to spend my time. And so just, you know, whatever your process is, try to make it, make sure it's a priority and always accessible. Um, For your, you know, you can still do big fall pushes or big spring pushes, but for those one-on-one conversations, which usually end up being the better um, recruiting asks. Um, So yeah, fine tune those and, and that'll be really helpful. Um, One of the other things that that I did um, a couple years back was we started realizing that not only with a transient culture, but sometimes because Kids Ministry is always recruiting volunteers, we had volunteers who were scared to join Kids Ministry because they thought, if I do this, Hmm. I have to do this for the rest of my life until I die. Because they've never not stopped asking for Kids Volunteers. So if I join, I'll never be able to get out. Um, and I was like, wow, that made me sound like a scary cult or something. Um, but <laughs> what I really would love is to have you help. And so we started doing one year commitments and we would recruit specifically more over the summer. Again, I'm all, we're always recruiting, but we would do a big push kind of over the summer with an idea of, um, in August 1st start date. So we'd get them fully onboarded. We'd recruit in spring and summer, get them fully onboarded August one, they start and knowing that whatever the, if it's an every week commitment, every other week commitment, if there's camp dates to commit to, if there's, you know, fall fest dates to commit to, Christmas programs, those kind of things, those are given to them like up front, so they can go ahead and mark their calendars and they know what they're getting into. And then you're like, hey, and at the end of May, we're, we're going to ask you if you want to rejoin us, we're going to still ask you to serve with us June and July. You'll serve through July 31st. But if you're like, Hey, that was my year of kids ministry. I think I'd like to go on and do something else, or mm-hmm. it turns out I'm pregnant, or hey, we're moving, or whatever, you kinda know ahead of time who's rolling off. Yeah. Most of our volunteers though, with that just one year commitment, were usually like, No, I'm signing on again. I wanna be with these kids again. But for yeah. the ones who couldn't or didn't, I had a natural rhythm instead of a mid year dropout. Now there were still mid year dropouts, there's still things that happen, people move, that kind of stuff. But it, it was really helpful to kind of create a rhythm. Of august one through july thirty first that's all we 're asking from you. If you want to do more, you can resign again um but kind of like a contract in a in a sense there was no you know no no trouble for breaking a contract, but it just helped people know what they were getting into instead of the ambiguous yep. eternal volunteer um, yeah. that can feel really daunting so yeah
0: and as you are building your team, I feel like there's this image of like the perfect volunteer. So I know everybody wants that. Like young, married, no kids. You're like, these are the perfect volunteers because they can commit, they're gonna be here, they're like most likely working a full-time job so that there's more stability in their lives. Um, And I would always encourage you to never say no for somebody else. So if you're like, oh man, there's no way they can serve they just moved here or they just had a baby or like whatever big life transition they just had. When you say no for somebody, you are closing that door before you even had an opportunity to invite them into what they maybe could have super wanted to be a part of the kids team. And you said no for them. And so it's just really important as you're building your team to say yes to everyone who is, able to serve in kids ministry, obviously keeping that at a a safe capacity and making sure that everybody passes the background check and all of those things, not saying no, because you assume that they would not want to serve um, as we continue to build new teams. Anything else on
1: building teams? No, I think um, you got to always be recruiting, you know, make it easy and accessible. Um, And, and, you know, I think expecting, um, some of that, that regular turnover and that regular things that happen. Uh, but I think there are things you can do to help plan or even set that culture. So, All right, Lauren. So we've talked a little bit about how we build a team when we fear it won't last. Um, or, you know, we know that's a reality. But what about a culture? How, does, how do you actually build a culture when people are in and out so much? Yeah, I think this can
0: be tricky because you see that cultures are built by people consistently and consistently investing in something. Um, Like you think about sports teams and other groups where people have been around for a long time and there's kind of like unsaid rules or inside jokes or things that go back years and years and years. And you're like, how do I, how do I build that? Or how do I create a new culture? when people are continually joining and people are continually stepping down from my team. Um, and I think one way, one really easy and practical way is look at your team and see who's been there for a while and kind of assess and say, okay, who are my leaders who have been in it and who, um, feel like are, I feel like are going to be around a while. I think this is a really easy thing to be like, Hey, if you're staff, families, serving kids, these are great people to lean on and say, Hey, you're here. Um, You're probably going to be here for a while. Uh, And so would you help me create this culture? Because you want people in your volunteer meetings, your huddles, your trainings, who are really tangible examples of your culture. And so, people who can set the example of like, hey, you wear your kid's t-shirt every time you serve. Well, you want your people who have been around for a while to show up wearing their kid's t-shirt or you show up at a certain time and this is kind of the expectation. You want people modeling that. And so when you have key leaders who you can ask to replicate the culture that you want um, people to see throughout your week and throughout your trainings and on Sunday morning. So I think that's one really practical way. Um, What else, Becca, what else do you think
1: about? Yeah, I would add to that that the people who have been around or are around, you know, um, they're the ones who you actually should be spending the most time with. Um, I know this feels like it can feel really um, counterintuitive to... To be like, but there's people that need me to chase after them and check in and convince them that they need to be here. Um, and there's going to be a part of that that's always part of your ministry because we we are called to, to shepherd the flock that God's entrusted to us. But don't do that to the neglect of the people that are there all the time that you think they don't need the reminder. They don't need the investment, even the whatever. They're always there. Um, I would say that 's who needs your investment that 's who needs more of your time that 's who should feel like they have the most access to you and you should have the, be having the most uh, contact with them um, and one because that that when people feel that level they they 're not only bought into the ministry they 're now bought into you um, and so they actually will begin to help you replicate whatever culture you are trying to do. Um, but if they kind of feel like, even if they love the ministry, but they don't feel that, that you actually spend time with them, that you're running around doing these other things, eventually they're going to be, they're going to go to where someone does actually spend time with them. And so I say like, you know, look who's around. I use, I love to use, I think it was Howard Hendrix's, uh acronym FAT. who's faithful. So they're serving, they're doing things, they're available, right? Because sometimes people are awesome, but because of five kids and crazy jobs or whatever, they're not actually available. So who's faithful, who's available, and who's teachable? Um, if you have those three, if there are someone around you that has those three things, that's who you spend your time with. Um, if, you, if they know that you get there early to set up and they just happen to show up there, those, these are the people you need to be building your leadership and team culture on, you know? Yep. Um, and so I think that's really important. And then eventually those very people, if you invest and spend that time, they're going to help you replicate that. Absolutely. Your capacity now gets expanded just like Jesus. He had the three and the 12 and then the masses. Yeah. Um, he couldn't have done all that if he only ever worked with the masses, you know? Yeah. So, I mean,
0: cause that's what they um, say. They say culture is more caught than taught. And so mm-hmm. you don't need to sit in a room with all your new volunteers and be like, and lay out, here's our volunteer culture where you really just need to pair them with someone who's been around for a while so they can experience it and catch on to the culture of your ministry. Yeah. And and so when you are pouring into your few and then they're pouring into the greater team of volunteers, that's how your culture expands.
1: Yeah. I would say, I would say you do need to teach it to them, but I would say you're right. They're going to, they're going to really believe that's really the culture when they yeah. see your key people doing it, you know, it's also okay. Um, Hear me kids ministry leader. It's also okay when people leave. Yes. Um, you know, this is a little bit of a tag on to my spend less time chasing, more time investing. Um, and I think it's, it's OK there. You know, God uses all kinds of things to move in people's lives. Um, it's even if you need volunteers and someone leaves to go serve in another ministry, it's easy. That might be the best thing for them and for their growth, you know. Um, and so, you know, our my thought for. I say I say this kind of thing all the time to my team. We don't use people to get tasks in ministry done. We don't. I mean, we think we do. We're like, we get the classroom done, kids' ministry gets done. But what we really should be doing is using the ministry and the tasks that are before us to help get our people done. And so that means sometimes people are going to leave. They're going to move. They're going to find something else that develops them better, that they're more passionate about. Or there's going to be a change in their family life, and they need to invest there. Um, and that's okay, uh, because I'm not, I'm really more concerned that the people that we have are getting developed and love Jesus Mm -hmm. more. I'm not just concerned that we have people to get the ministry done, you know? And so, um, it can feel really hard and like a failure when we need volunteers or when people leave. Um, but if we've been faithful to do what we can, then it's okay if they, if they go from whatever their circumstances, you know, um, it's not a mark of faithfulness, 'Cause God has people leave and move all the time in the Bible.
0: That's exactly what I was gonna say, Becca.
1: <laughs> I know. I took the words out of your mouth. Yep. Even even though we're in a different yep. time zone. Uh I, so can I think still that's get really
0: that. It's really important to remember as especially in this like we're talking about this as is coming out in the fall season. There's a lot of recruiting happening. And if you are in a church environment that is full of New people. There's a lot of people coming back. There's a lot of people who are leaving. Um, just know that like God has His hands on your ministry. He knows what is before you, um, and will continue to provide and sustain you as you lead and as you try to build and um, retain an incredible culture with your volunteers. Um, and I love that like we can. And this episode with just the reality that, um, you cannot hold your ministry together. Like you have to rely on who God is and, and his goodness and faithfulness mm-hmm. because volunteers will come and go. But, um, there's probably a really good chance that the gospel is still being preached in your classrooms every Sunday. And that's what matters. And knowing that you just continue to put Jesus in front of kids week after week Um, As you invite new volunteers in, as you celebrate the ones who've been around for a while, um, and just know that exactly what Becca said of like, God is still continuing to move and we um, are just, just get to be a part of his story. And that's really sweet to remember. Any last thoughts, Becca, any final things? No, I think, you know, just they're
1: the, they're the, they're the meat of the work. You know, we do kids ministry, but really it's, we are ministering to the kids, but really we're ministering to the volunteers who are ministering to the kids. So whether you got them for one year or you got them for 50 years, um, they're, they're worth that investment. And that's how, that's how the ministry gets done. So, um, it's no less valuable to invest in someone for a shorter amount of time, um, because you don't know what God's going to do. So yes,
0: yes. And amen to that. Uh, well friends, thank you so much for listening. If you love this conversation, Please uh, subscribe to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast, rate our podcast, give us some five stars. That's how this conversation gets shared with other kids ministry leaders like you. Um, If you would like to keep the conversation going or learn more about Kids Ministry Circle, you can find us over on social media at Kids Ministry Circle or online at kidsministrycircle.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.